listening to I Quit My Job, a podcast about songwriting, with your hosts, Travis Reitzma and Derek Harrison. I quit my job. I quit my job. I quit my job. I'm free today. How's that sound to you? It sounds good. You want more phones? Um, yeah. Hey folks, welcome to the 28th episode of I Quit My Job, the final episode of the second season. We have a very special guest on the show, Patrick Kreef, known for his work with Canadian indie rock icons The Deers, as well as his solo project Kreef, and many other writing, producing, and performing ventures is on the show. Derek and Patrick actually sat down in a one-on-one conversation. They go back a long time. Derek actually played bass very briefly in Kreef uh, a few years ago. So as I said, this is the final episode of season two. Uh, Derek has a new job. I am continuing my never-ending education, and we've become rather busy, as we tend to do in the summer months, and we've reached our 14-episode target for the season. So we thought it best to call it for a while and return in a few months when we've had the chance to build up episodes in the can and uh, kind of get a head start on things. Allow me to uh, digress here for a few minutes. Given the title of this podcast, it's pretty standard for us to talk about the quandary most performing musicians deal with of whether or not to quit our jobs and make a real go of it and this whole artist thing. We've had an array of guests on different levels of this curve, some like Jay Pollock, Dave Dubois, and probably myself and Derek for that matter. We aren't even on the curve. Quitting our jobs just isn't what we want to do, or maybe it isn't the option that we want to take or isn't an option at all. We can be musicians while maintaining our jobs, our day jobs, as it were. But coming to that realization also comes with the realization that your music career has a hard and impenetrable ceiling. At some point, I had to give up on the dream that of making it big, whatever the hell that looks like anyway. And it was a hard dream to give up. Music was the first endeavor in my life where I felt I was good enough to take it as far as I wanted. The sobering reality of the hard work, dedication, and sacrifice it requires hits hard with those of us who don't have it in us. I had another hard realization recently. After years of struggling to perform on stage regularly, I realized it's not something I can do much anymore. As a solo musician, at least, I suffer from pretty extreme performance anxiety, which can make my mood plummet on stage or the day of the show. Uh, It affects my performance in negative ways. It makes me difficult to be around. I don't like the version of myself that performs on stage. It often takes me days to recover and recalibrate myself to the outside world. This is something that hasn't gotten better with experience and with age. In fact, it's mostly gotten worse, and I'm not really sure why that is. I still have Diane Motel. I care deeply about that band, and performing with a band does lessen the anxiety and depression of stage performance. I will still do that the three to four times a year we decide to do it, but I think I'm done performing on stage by myself under my own name. It's a part of my life that I honestly think I'm better off without. I deal enough with anxiety and depression on an everyday basis. Why am I adding to it? I love writing when I have the time to do it, and I love recording when I have enough songs to record. I will very likely release music under my name in the future, but I don't think I'll play live without a band. At least not outside of the odd open mic when I'm feeling it. I'm playing some solo sets at the inaugural Walkerville Buskerfest here in Windsor, August 12th through 14th. I'll be playing a bit with my Diane Motel bandmates as well. There won't be power, just me singing into the air to anyone who'll listen. Those will be my last solo shows. So it goes. On to Patrick Kreef. Patrick offers a a bit of a different perspective than we're used to on the podcast. Uh, He's one of the first guests we've had that is not just a singer-songwriter, but one with a big-time label behind him who's toured the world and played on late-night television. Uh, He and Derek get into that and a lot more. 
It's a really great interview. Stick around.
Well, it's been a while, Pat. Yeah. What? Three, four? I don't know. It was, uh, I guess, after I came home from Europe, which I think was uh, 2012. Yeah. And then there was that gig at a place in the East End where you had, like, way too many people on stage. The Andor? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was it. Yeah. I'm playing there again on... In September 30th. Maybe you should come play with us again. Yeah? Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to do a circus again, but... Yeah. A part of me thinks, like, I, ju- I should just do the, you know, five-piece band. and. I do like that. Yeah, the five-piece? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I feel like there's more impact when you can make a lot of noise. With less people. With less people, yeah. Yeah, and with you and... Uh, and uh... Vincent? No, I was talking Roberto? about... Roberto? Roberto, yeah. yes. Uh, the amount of noise you two can make. Yeah, it's a lot of noise. alone, it's like it fills out all that space that you usually need to get keys or something to spill out, you know? Yeah, he's, he's very useful. <laughs> How's his hair? He's cut his hair off. It's all short. I remember that. I was yeah. hoping he grew it back, maybe. No. <laughs> he's done with it? You know, uh, his wife was done with it. That's... Oh, that's the... Okay. New record? New record. I think you were telling me about it. You said it turned into a double record? It's a double Is album. it still saying staying double? Yeah. Yep, yeah, it's a double. Wow. How's that feel? Uh, it's, I feel great about it. I, mm-hmm. I, I realize that a lot of people might... You know, I've already heard that you're making a double album in 2016. <laughs> and it's like, exactly. People who care about albums, that's who still I care, care about. about yeah. yeah. The the people I get it though it's it's a lot of information and it's not one of those things where I'm selfishly wanting to spew all my ideas out and like you have to hear everything I've written it's like <laughs> I wrote like seventy five songs right to come down to twenty and I was furiously writing over the past four years you know and and longer because it took me a year and a half two years to put out hundred thousand pieces yeah. So that process started in 2010. So we have from then till now of writing. Yeah. It's not a double album in that I just had a lot of stuff and I want everybody. I was sitting on the beach with my girlfriend and uh, we had been meeting with with the label and with management and everybody's like, you know, you've mastered and mixed uh, 29 songs, I think it was. They're like, just get it down to a nice 11 song album. <laughs> and I was like, fucking going crazy. And trying to do it, and, and then it'd be like, every time I present the album to somebody, the 11 song version, they'd be like, what about this song and that song? And I was like, you yeah, know, every time. I was like, you know what? This is a double album. I was sitting on the beach, and I, th- I had this, just this moment of going, I totally, I get it. I know exactly how it has to be. There was two distinct feelings on the album, and I I went strictly on feeling. Only later to discover that lyrically, those two, the way I separated it, made complete sense mm-hmm. too. It was like just freaky, you know. <laughs> so I I'm like I hear this like this feeling, it's like a Thursday night kind of feeling, and then there's like a Sunday morning kind of feeling. And those are the two halves. Yeah, huh. and so I just kind of. I, and I was having a bitch of a time sequencing the 11 song sure, record, sure. but when I put it that way, I was like, boom, 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 boom. Everything felt. It done, I, the sequence was done in like eight minutes. I, I, I po- uh, programmed it onto my girlfriend's iPod. I was like, <laughs> listen to this one today, 
and tomorrow I'll listen to the other one. And she's like, really? You're starting with this song? And she, I was like, don't think about it. Just Until listen. you've heard it, yeah. And then she was just like, that's, that's it. And I was like, great. Now yeah. how do I sell a double album to a fucking label? Right. And I called them and they were like, that sounds great. And I couldn't believe it. Even oh, yeah, manager, once you got there, they were just totally up with you? Yeah. I'm oh, like, yeah. you. so you realize you're going to have to spend twice as much on the vinyl and all that. They're like, that sounds like... We loved all the songs, you know? Mm. Then there was discussion of maybe what we could do is like, and this is where, I, like, you know, they were like, maybe we could re- stagger the releases or like release one and then release the next one a year mm-hmm. later. First of all, the Deers are basically, they, the Deers tried to do that. They tried to do this double album thing where one came out in, you know, September, the other mm-hmm. one's supposed to come out six months later. I never thought that was a good idea. From from day one, okay. I was pushing for them both to come out at the same time. Yeah. So that my label suggested we do this two thing, a staggered release, and I said, you know, that's when I feel like it's kind of shitty for an artist to do that. Because that way, you're sort of the expectation is people are going to pay twice as well. They're going right? to pay twice, yeah. but you're also trying to double your your press, trying mm. to extend your cycle. And it's like, I don't feel like that's, there's much true integrity in that. It's like the, yeah. for the project is done. Just serve it. We're going to wait a year to pull them apart by a year. They're, it's one statement. Let's not call yeah. it anything else. And so when they, when they talked about my record, which is called Automatic, I said, uh, I either want them out together, use your illusions one and two style. Again, yeah. I tried for that idea. And they were into it, but then when they started looking at all the logistics, like, oh, that's going to be two barcodes, mm-hmm. and the packaging is like like $5,000 more this right, way. To... And I was like, you know what? I don't want to start creating ridiculous expenses. Let's just do it on one gatefold double album. Yeah. Uh, the only message I wanted to, to come out with is they aren't meant to be listened to together. Okay. They're, although they are the same project you don't have to listen to them together and i think anybody that buys it will get it as one day you'll be in the mood for that and the other one you know well one of the reasons i like the album idea still despite you know all the talk about the album not being a thing anymore is that it's one it's like the complete way of presenting something but it doesn't take away people's ability to experience it differently as well. Like people still have the control to be able to just listen to songs, yeah, put it or on put it on playlist. shuffle yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But they also have the option to listen to a full album, and so providing the complete statement as well as the sliced up individual statements is. Uh, I don't see why that. Why that's a reason albums shouldn't be made anymore in the same way. It it is scary to me that, you know, I. You know, I I have friends that are like you know eight nine years younger than me, mm-hmm. and they they cannot consume an album. They they don't. And this is a, I got a great story for you. Okay, <laughs> just to, to talk. Well, about... I mean, I'm in that age range as well, but yeah. but I'm I'm an How exception to it. I'm 28. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. But you're one of those people. Like you 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 could be like a guy like you can exist in 20 years from now, <laughs> and he's still gonna have a vinyl collection and like. Like, there's not going to be a lot of, of them. Maybe a little right. bit more by then. I don't know. Hopefully. But 
I got a good story about my problem is I love like my problem, you know, like it's I think the problem <laughs> in general or with the music industry is that I don't feel like people are creating any relationships with the artist anymore because mm. what happens now is like a lot of people are like, oh, it's like great, you know, your singles number one, it's charting and uh, you're, you're like, people are buying the song or streaming it or downloading it. And I think like a huge bulk of those people don't even know who the hell the band is. Yeah. The band could pass through the town, they'll never, they could even see the poster. Oh, Creef's here. Who the fuck is Creef? And then, you know, oh, I love that song, Perfect Bodies. It's on my running playlist, you know? Well, he was just here. Oh, that's the guy. That's the guy, you know, right? Maybe. So No, I, that's happened to me, too. Like, and not because I'm not aware of... Uh, not because... If I did see it on a poster, I would, I would know with, like... I mean, I'm just in tune with... Yeah. I pay attention, right? But... Especially living in Toronto, it's just there's too much coming in and out. I can one of my favorite artists can have been here a week ago, and I and I just find out today that it, happens because you're there's so much to absorb that you, you have to tune out so much information just to stay sane. Yeah, there's too much. There's too much. Also, I mean, we're overstimulated. Like, yeah, I I feel feel like this happens a lot. We we play like we go on tour, and it's actually an ongoing joke. It's something we 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 laugh about now but let's say we'll play toronto oh you played toronto leaves palace and then you're in the van the next day you're driving toward detroit or whatever mm-hmm. and uh you check the, the facebook page and it's like oh love the deers or love creef man and miss you guys when you come into toronto like literally the next, the next day. day yeah and it's like is this a joke? And it's not. It happens all, all the, time. the time. Yeah. And then you re- reply to that person's comment. We were just there yesterday, and they they don't engage. It's like they feel like stupid. I think they're embarrassed. Yeah. yeah. So um, where's I going with this? I actually have a real life story. This is a. This should go in like one of my like my biography if I mm-hmm. ever write one. Um, I was dating this, and we were like, you know, whatever, pretty serious, I guess. You know, like not. It was just like one of those lightning bolt relationships, like three months, oh, yeah. see each other every day, and then like I hate you, get out of my life. Right. You know, like just. But uh, she knew what I did. She knew I was in the tears. She like, she knew about the solo work, and you know, like I. One day she's like, "Oh, I'm going for a run." You know, like, I'm just going for a jog. And I'm like, can I check out your, your playlist? You know, I just want to see what you listen to when you run. And she's like, she's like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. Don't make fun of me. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I won't, you know, I wouldn't, why would I do that? I probably would, but I'm looking through it and I see Lost in the Plot. That's a deer song. Mm-hmm. So I go, oh, you got one of my songs on here. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, Lost in the Plot. She's like, oh, you like that song? This is like two months in. I'm like, no. I I mean, well, yeah, well, I do like yes, the song, but... sort of. But I I <laughs> that's that's a deer song. She's like, I don't understand. You guys cover it or something? I'm like, no. Th- you are listening to the deers when you listen to this song. This yeah, is a deer is... song. That's Murray singing, you know. <laughs> and she was like, what? I oh love that song. I li- I got it in the UK. 
off some like sampler CD when I lived in the UK. And now she've transferred it to her iPod and it sure. doesn't have the artist's name on it. No, it's just... Just the song title. The title. And it's her runner's playlist. <laughs> and has and she no, does no idea. idea. Yeah. Which record is that one? No Cities Left. No Cities Left, yeah. yeah. So I'm like, that's when I, I remember thinking, this is... Things are changing. <laughs> this is a yeah. different time now. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah. She had no idea she was... a fan of the band and she kept telling me how she'd never heard of us of the deers she, and she's like i'm surprised you guys seem to do well in the uk and i lived i lived in london for like three years mm-hmm. i'm surprised i haven't heard of you i was like i'm like well, hey man we weren't the beatles like it's, sure it's... you don't need to be freaked out she's like no but i love indie music <laughs> whatever <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's what that's when i think somebody says a double album in 2016 what are you crazy bro you know and it's like no um i think it's crazy to put out music at all in 2016 and if i if i had an argument against it which my motives have nothing to do with with sales or radio because i don't live in that world that's not my music doesn't play on the radio i mean (laughs) it does sometimes you know but it's not like commercial radio classics right yeah my motive is not financial it can't be or i'll I'll die Mm -hmm. you know like if like i I don't even want to try to enter that world because i don't understand it yeah, we've had this conversation before. Yeah, I mean, I've I have had the uh, people have put me down in the right in those writing tanks. You know, they go, "We're gonna put you," because people always seem to think I'm this guy that you write pop songs. You're a pop song writer, but you just you know maybe you need to be put in a room with somebody who knows how to put it together for it to be a hit. Right. And I'm like, no. The problem is, their pop. The way I write pop songs is just from the wrong generation yeah their pop songs from the 70s or 60s i'd be riding around a gold bentley if i had written sure. these songs 40 years ago yeah i agree with that so, there's this sensibility to them yeah so i'm like but okay let's try it let's see what happens you put me in a room with one of these guys i can't mm-hmm. i feel like vomiting i i can't like we're watching youtube videos of like uh, studying taylor swift hits, right. you know and like oh, oh this the content is this and and then i go well, the chords are C, G, A minor, F. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, well, why don't we do C, E minor, A, G? And they're like, that's it. You got and, it. And I'm like, this is <laughs> fucked it. up, you know? And then the song comes together and you hear, I've, I heard it and it's terrible. I want nothing right. to do with it. I don't want my name on it. I'm embarrassed of the, of the, and I, I realize this is what it takes. All due respect to the people who are good at this because... I've just come from a studio now, mm-hmm. you know, where they were doing pop music for big names, and I was just watching writing? them writing, producing, and it's I could not be good at that if I tried. So it's just it's not like I'm saying I'm above it or oh yeah, that's so lame. It's so not art. It is an art. It's a it's a precise art, and I am not it's like good. a craftsmanship. Right? It is, and it's just not what I do. So when I think about somebody telling me you're making a double record in 2016, I think, who gives a shit? Like, I, I'm not gunning for the charts. And by your own argument, if I were to, like, adhere to the, your mentality that it's 2016, it's like, what are you, what are you saying? It's a songs mar- market? So I'm giving you 20 instead of 10, and that's I'm a bad thing? I'm giving you more songs, yeah. Like, yeah. And like, if, it, if they end up on a shuffle playlist, they're yeah. more likely to show up. Exactly. I'm throwing more shit it's at the wall. It's still good, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
So, but I mean, that's not the motive at all. I'm just like, no. luckily, I feel pretty fortunate and hashtag blessed. <laughs> that uh, see, you can do the pop thing. Yeah, there it is. I know, I know pop culture. Um, yeah. So you know, I like. I have a team around this record, and sometimes I feel so lucky. I'm like, I can't believe they're just so interested in my ideas, and they they just trust me. And you know, a part of me is a bit nervous that it's all gonna blow up in my face because they've given me so much freedom, and it, they spent so much money. And if it all just fails, they're gonna be like, yeah, oh, Kreef's a crackhead, or like I don't know what you know. But I really feel lucky. And then there's that neurotic Larry David, Woody Allen. Uh, fucking mind that i have that is just going on and this is all gonna go horribly wrong but what if what if it does like you still got the record you know i do i just i don't like you know i feel like when you're a leader mm, of any you have a team too. you ha- you have a responsibility not to disappoint the so the last record you made was you it was you and uh and roberto basically on the performing side? Yeah, the well, performing it was side. mostly me and uh yeah, and then yeah, Piccioni is a always a uh, I always told him I'm like I know one you know like sometimes he gets a little depressed about the state of the music industry Sure. And, as I mean, as everybody who's participating in it does. Yeah, and you know like he he's done he's paid his dues, man. That guy should he should have the gold Bentley too, you know. Mm-hmm. He's a world-class musician and he's a team player. And he's fucking creative, you know? And the guy will sleep on the floor in somebody's apartment, you know, like a, yeah. five nights a week on tour. And and he his payoff is that moment on stage when, like, something happens, like a when there's... ridiculous drum fill or a great guitar riff that doesn't normally happen, and his face lights up, and you're like, that's the, that's the, the real deal. Yeah. But he has expressed to me, you know, like, you know, if this, you know, I'm kind of like at the end of my rope here. Like, I, how many times are we gonna try and fail? And like, I'm, I'm, it's, I've, you know, it's hard. Yeah, and having the, the day job too, right? He's... Yeah, and I, I, so you know, this is like, this is an example of, I, I always tell him, <clears throat> when, when you decide you're done, you know, with this, you're, you're still going to be asked to, to be a part of the records mm-hmm. like i don't care if you have to come in after work or use some vacation time but like i i can't see myself making a creep record without without him. without him even if some there's some songs where he just plays a tambourine you know or a song where he play, maybe he's not written the part maybe i wrote wrote it for him there's just something about the guy on he knows how to direct me as a musician yeah. like when i'm playing a guitar part and i'm not sure which takes the one he's good and that that's very valuable to uh mm-hmm. to the sound you know and he's been on every one is that right he's been not on the first creef take it or leave that was oh he wasn't on that one okay. no that was like uh nobody was around for that mm. and uh that was an ep right yeah and then black diamond bay then then yeah Black Diamond Bay was Piccioni and George. That was a, yeah. I saw you guys in Burlington. Yeah. Oh, the legendary Red Rooster. The legendary Red Rooster. There was yeah. a fight. That was, that was a funny story. There was a fight that night. Yeah. I remember the show because there was a, like I just saw people punching each oh, other. Oh yeah. This is kind of ringing a bell. Yeah. 
And there was like nobody there too. There no, was, like a dozen people in the room. Dozen people and a fight. Yeah, <laughs> that night was memorable because the sound guy decided that I was an asshole, or really? I don't know, for whatever reason he didn't like us, mm. and he detuned my monitor. Oh my god! He pitch shifted it, and I knew I knew he did that because he pitch shifted it. That's aggressive. Yeah, I knew he did that because I started sound checking, and I was like. All right, man. I know I could be pitchy sometimes, but this is <laughs> this is fucking weird. What's going on? And then I, I remembered Renault, uh, uh, our old sound guy for the Deer, was telling us, you know, when he used to work at the clubs and the singer was a dick, he'd, he'd do? pitch shift his monitor. And I was like, I'm like, hey, man, mm-hmm. don't pitch shift my monitor. And then there was just this, like, we're just staring at each other from across the room, dead silence. And he's like, I didn't. I was like, don't. I'm like, just don't do it. <laughs> oh, man. This yeah. makes touring sound so glamorous, doesn't it? It is. <laughs> it, it is not glamorous. It but is not. It is, how, how, how have the touring, the tours been going since, uh, since my day? Um, did you come across Canada? No. Well, no, that was right. That was the end for me because they, uh, I, I went to Europe at the same time. They got, they got a bit better, you know, like, I mean, it was still, you know, not super well attended shows, but we were definitely turning some heads and, and here, here I am like five years later talking to my agent and he's like, I went to a conference last week and all the promoters were asking about you, saying they remembered the show. Yeah. Like, is are you still booking that guy? Is he doing something? And it's like, well, we did something right. And... Mm -hmm. You know, are we gonna, what are we going to face this time around? It's really, I'm curious as I am terrified. I have no idea what to express, uh, expect, but uh, I, I, I've always kept my expectations in a good low place. <laughs> so yeah. I'm, I'm never disappointed. Like if I'm disappointed, it's because something, um, something horribly wrong has happened. Like, okay, like. One, for once, uh, one, one example is we turned up to a club in Denver, Colorado, and uh, we're like pulling up the van and we walk in and we're like, hey, where, where's Loden? And the guy's like, Loden? And we're like, yeah, we're playing tonight. He's like, there's a show tonight? And he's like, I don't have it here on my books. I was like, show him the contract. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the promoter here. All right, I guess uh, load in. I'm like, uh, should we bother? Should we bother? Yeah, yeah. Is, is anybody going to show up? Nah, nobody's going to show up. You, why don't you just grab an acoustic guitar and uh, play a couple songs just for good measure? And, and then we'll pay you. I'll pay you and get out. <laughs> so I did an acoustic set for my drunken band who were yelling out uh, mm-hmm. requests. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of fun. You play a lot in Montreal still? No. No? Just been in record mode? Yeah. What, what, what are you doing in town? I had some meetings here with uh, my label and my manager. And uh, I met with some producer, songwriter types just now mm-hmm. about another project that I write, wrote some music for. It's basically a Kreef record, but I don't want it to be a Kreef record. I'm just okay. going to have a really great female singer do it do all the leads yeah and just maybe like it's kind of like a 
I'm the more and more I think about it, the more I feel like maybe I want to just be a complete ghostwriter on it, produce it, not, play not all the perform. instruments. Oh, you're gonna play, it, but just no vocal. Yeah, and just not have my name anywhere on there. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's it. I I don't think anybody would ever guess it's me. I've been having some writing lately where uh, I I want someone else to do the singing, and and I'm not. I haven't decided yet how I feel about it. It's, there's one thing for me I'm not like I'm, when you hear a great like somebody who's like a, actually a great singer like a you know like they're just oozing that's their thing uh, for me I always have the same feeling I'm like shit I didn't realize this song was so good <laughs> yeah you know like you realize that your melodies are better than you think right. when somebody's laying it down like that but then there's something for me that ends up happening where I'm like doesn't it doesn't feel right like you know i wish it and then i start thinking i'm going to record my own version of this mm-hmm. down the line but like you know like guys like neil diamond did it yeah, yeah. nothing wrong with that but oh, no, no, no. yeah i think it's definitely fun to do it to step back and well when you think about like dylan and cohen and stuff like a lot of a lot of their most famous songs were recorded first by other people or and then they made a few years later they did their version or whatever and exactly yeah and yeah yeah that's it and then I, I have this tendency to set aside the songwriting that i do that's too accessible accessible it's not pop it by <laughs> today's standard but it's it's you know kind of like i CS. think it speaks to the pop tradition though like yeah you know historically they're really simple songs with really simple message and super catchy. And I just feel like when I'm making a Kreef record, I don't want to give anything that easy on there. I don't mm. want to have like, I want anybody who's going to pick up a guitar and try to figure out my song to be like, oh, stumped, not stumped, but like, <laughs> that's interesting, you know, yeah. like, and I want to feel that way about it. And my most inspired moments are like that because I never labor over it. Just shit kind of oozes out of me. And the next day, I'm listening to a voice memo going, "How the f- where the fuck did that come from?" Well, I had that doing when, this. I had that when I was learning your songs. I had that like, "Oh, what 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 the hell did you do there?" Like, yeah, you know, because I tried to learn them on my own first. Yeah, and then I was like, "There's just some spots where like I need I need you to come over and like show me." Yeah. Um, that. And then even more so when it came to the harmony arrangements on that. Yeah, the vocals are, are really... You mean the vocal harmonies? Yeah. yeah. Like, they're so non-linear and... Uh, they don't make sense. I, I mean... No, they, I mean, in the best possible way, yeah. Yeah, they... <laughs> it's funny because I work with this girl, Maya Davies, who's a like, phenomenal singer. Mm-hmm. And she's always like... When I write a song with her, she's like, yeah, write, write some of your weird fucked up harmonies for this part. I love them. <laughs> and I'm like... I'm like Okay, so I write like a harmony. I'm like, that's not weird. She's like, it is yeah, weird. It is. <laughs> it's like it comes natural to you. Right? Yeah, because I'm like, that's not weird at all. Or same with bass lines, where I mm. I feel like the rhythm is normal, but people are like, wait, where is the one? Like I'm yeah. on the off here, and I'm like, it's just that. That's it's normal to me. Right. But it's and I've had I've experienced this now, so now I get it because sometimes Murray would write a part, and I I'd, I'd be like, what? I like be mm-hmm. a little bit stumped. Like I don't get it where you're coming from. And he was like, "What are you talking and about?" He thinks it's the simplest thing in the world. Yeah, right. 
Yeah, so I, I was like, oh, I see what happens when people don't get what I'm... Yeah. But I, fi- I figure with the vocal harmonies, there would be a way to rearrange my vocal parts, like say the four lines, so that each person is singing something different and it make the same sound. Okay. And then it would make more sense. But I like to have like a guy start be- beneath and, you and, and then climb go- above. Ri- rise above. Yeah, totally. There's something cool about that. It reminds me that uh, that John Lennon harmony on uh, Hey Jude, I think is a good example of that. Uh, then you can start to make it better. No, oh, yeah. You know, like he yeah. comes in below Paul. Yeah. And then when Paul goes, then you can start. He goes, start. Mm-hmm. He right, just jumps right above. And oh, it's beautiful. Great. Yeah. Yeah, I love that stuff. But it's even better because it's two vo- different, distinctly different voices. Mm-hmm. Where it, it's weird on my, not weird, but where it's less noticeable on mine is that it's me blending my own voice. Yeah, yeah. So, by, like, did you do that on this one as well? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But is it instrumentally? Is the is it the five piece? No, it's all me. It's all you again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, because by the, by the end of that album cycle, I had no band left. People like the drummer quit, and hmm. you know, well, I, Vinny. I, Vinny, to be right. you know, to be fair, I guess I I like making the records that way. Like, yeah, and there's just, and every time I make one, I go, I, that's the last time I ever do that. <laughs> you know, I'll never put myself through that, especially on a double, twenty eight songs playing drums. Yeah, I, I had two days to do all the drums. Oh my god! I even though the album cycle was what three or four years long. All the drums were... Are all the final drums performed in two days? Not even. The first day was... We spent setting up, getting sounds, getting tones. And everything was dead. The next day in like 10 hours straight. Blah! You know? And... Uh, My God. I had to just accept... I went in there with... And the, the engineer who's like a world-class dude, uh, David Schiffman, who's like a... You know, he's done the Chili Peppers, John mm. Pe- uh, Tom Petty, like... Johnny Cash, everything. He's like a real deal dude. And he was up here in Montreal uh, producing some record and he had me come play guitar on the record as a session dude. And he had a budget for me. I said, how about this, your your first offer plus two days of your time on top of it to track me playing drums? And he was like, deal. So he just extended his trip by two days. Yeah. And when he was recording me playing drums, he's like, what the fuck is going on? He's like, what are you playing to? I don't understand. You just had it all there. Yeah, because I had like maybe like either a, a, an acoustic guitar or some yeah. demo bits, but they weren't super tight on the click. And he's just like, he was completely like disoriented. He didn't like the process and and he was he telling me... He just wasn't comfortable with it? Not super comfortable. He, he was just like, why don't you just get a drummer? And like, <laughs> I was like, trust me, this I, I know what I'm doing, you know? Right. And... With the time constraint, I, I just told myself, okay, I'm just going to do two or three takes of each song, and if I have to edit, I will. Right. And so, basically, I did 60 performances in 10 hours. In 10 hours. Yeah. Oh my God. And then I, I, I did have to do some editing, for sure, and mm-hmm. like some of the things I did, I'm not, I wasn't happy with in the end, because I, I was being so... You know, when you're listening to a drum track on a click, it's just not a smart way to do the editing. Because you can be loose. You can be like, yeah, 
And if you just lock in with everybody else, then it's fine to be. Yeah, yeah like so. if I lock in the bass, it'll be fine. Nobody will ever notice that that kick was a bit late. Or something. Okay, so you did the editing before you added everything else. Yeah, I had the click, uh, okay. and but I took out some really cool drum fills here and there that I weren't super tight. Uh-huh. And then, uh, but then on a couple instances, I put them back in when the album was being mixed, and I was like, "Hey, fuck. and it works." Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it was that was the part where I really wanted to blow my brains out was the drumming. Mm. And so I think I think maybe I'm done. <laughs> he said that last. You time know what? Too. <laughs> I'm full of shit. You know what? I've been, I've been going to the jam space like twice a week and practicing drums. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm just gonna get better at drums, and that's yeah, it. Why not? Yeah. So you had that drum session. You've got. We're talking about sponsorships now, and uh, yeah. Uh, how did you pay for 28 songs? How, how did you manage to? Well, here's. Uh, well, the first session was a barter mm-hmm. because I bartered the studio time as well. So the drum session was a complete barter. Did not I played guitar for it, right? And then I flew to Kelowna, where I recorded the whole album in a studio called uh, Studio Bottega, which is a an, on an alpaca farm. <laughs> True story, and. Um, this is like one of those random opportunities. I played a place called the, the Streaming Cafe in Kelowna. Oh, yeah. And the guy, Mike Donnelly, one of the main guys who runs the place, sends me an email. And he says, hey, listen, we do this kind of grant thing here at the end of the year where, where uh, all the bands that play submit to get some free studio time. And he's like, I really think you should apply because everybody here is spinning 100,000 pieces all day long. We lo- uh-huh. it's, it was our favorite show. And I said, eh, all right, whatever, you know, sure. I'll apply. I never get anything, you know, I never get anything ever. I never no, win. I'm not the winning won- type. No, I'm not the winning <laughs> type. I, I remember coming to terms with that as a child. Like we'd have these winter games at, the, at school. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I know I'm not going to win. I always end up on the team with all the guys that like suck. And I guess I suck too. You know, I'm just never going to win anything. So I've been nominated for stuff. I don't win. It's fine. I'm okay with it. I don't need to win. So like, I'm happy. Come to terms. Yeah. Yeah. So I I apply. And um, like two weeks later, it's like, oh yeah, you got it. Then they have two studios. They have one in Dresden, Germany, mm-hmm. and, uh, and one in, in uh, Kelowna. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Dresden because I think that would be even weirder to go. It's, yeah. a, it's in a castle. They have a Neve console. Like it's, it's so weird, you know? But then I'm like, the flights to Dresden. and Getting all your stuff. Over. And the Euro. and Yeah, and right. getting all my stuff. Still, I was like, I'll make it work. I don't care. Like, this is a story. This is a story. Then, boom, my factor grant gets approved. For the same, for Dresden. For no, for the same album. Oh, okay. To record the same album. Sure. So I'm like, holy, sh- what the hell's going on here? You know, I guess I got a couple You're good, s- some good songs. The winnings finally happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's sort of. You know, sort of. Sure. Like in my life, I was losing in the worst way possible. Like people dying left and Ooh. right, and it was a miserable it was like time. One of those years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was the worst year of my life. So, so I, th- this was like the, one of those things, just going, you know, you know, I'm not like the cosmic type to think like, this is like, 
life evening itself out. It's like, hey, man, you know, people die. And it makes you ask yourself, what the fuck are you doing with your life? Are you, are you like, you know, I've been pretty, uh, you know, sheltered from death most of my life. Mm -hmm. You know, like I had not lost anybody. I lost my grandmother when I was 21 and that was hard, you know, but like it was expected. She was older, you know? And then all of a sudden at like fucking 34 years old in the span of, uh, 16 months, nine people die. Yeah. You're kidding me. No. And I oh mean, God. some I were, I was really close with and some I, I wasn't, but like still close enough, you know? Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, you know, like total ex- existential crisis. I went through a huge, crazy breakup, uh-huh. uh, like the worst kind of breakup, you know? And, um, so yeah, I was, I was like, all right, you know, I was kind of doing this cleanse in my life where I was just getting rid of any shitty person, any shitty habit, and uh, just cleaning up my assets, you know, going, you know, I've seen people fighting over assets after they die. Right. I'm like, I'm going to start, I know I, I don't have much, but I want to know who gets what. I don't want anybody fighting over this no. shit. I want people to know there's value in my publishing. If I have any debt, that they can go use that to wipe yeah. my debt. You know, and to use this to pay for my funeral if you want something that stupid for me. But I'd otherwise, just toss me in a dumpster. I don't give a <laughs> shit. So <laughs> you're, you're gone. You don't know. The yeah. So I'm like, you know, there's a lot going on in my life. But then there's this little winning aspect. And I just feel like, you know what? This is this is a, 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 a path being lit up. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not a sign from anything. I'm not a religious person. I don't believe in any of that stuff. But. It's just like you, you get you get to decide. Yeah, I'm like there's this important. path being lit up for me, and there was a point in my life where I was starting to go, oh, making records and this whole grind. It's such, it's so hard on me, like emotionally and physically, and I I don't know if I want to do that. I'm gonna make mm. an album, but I'm not gonna put it out, or I'll just put it out on my own website or whatever. I didn't. I wanted to drop easy. all the ambitions, but then this fucking light, you know, this path. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go. I'm going to walk down this road, see where it takes me. I end up doing this uh, tour uh, with Jay Malinowski as part of the Dead Coast. And mm-hmm. I was playing drums and guitar and singing some Creef songs, too, in the set. Go across Canada, we end up in Kelowna. And for whatever reason, they bring us to this house, which is on the Apalka, Alpaca Farm. <laughs> That's like, this is where you're sleeping tonight. And that Mike Donnelly guy's like, hey, you want to see the studio here? I was like, yeah, might as well. I mean, I was already booked in Dresden. You already, yeah? Yeah. Flights? No flights, but, but the time the space was... space was booked. Yeah, so he gets me on this golf cart. We drive through this whole thing and turns on the lights in this place. And I was just like, I just had that feeling. I'm like, this is where it's happening. Mm. I'm like, can I cancel Dresden? He's like, yeah, it might upset the engineer. He's really looking forward to meeting you. Yeah. He's fucking really loves the last album. I was like... I don't want to offend anybody. I just, I'm getting the feeling here. Like, this is the place, you know? So we changed it. So that created an expense. I had to fly to Kelowna. Sure. With my man, Piccioni. Of course. (laughs) And the thing is, I didn't have a lot of money. I didn't have enough money. So uh, Piccioni contributed $400 to Mm -hmm. help me with his flight. And I took care of the rest of everything else. So 
it was honestly that was happening at the worst time in my life like the most you know you you ever have i'm sure you have but you mm-hmm. you ever have such a, a, a sh- like such a dark time that you actually behave like a crazy person like you don't nothing you do makes sense mm-hmm. you make impulsive irrational decisions like i'm going to book a trip to italy with my ex-girlfriend and like uh, i'm going to uh tell this person to go fuck himself right. and like just like decisions all th- you can't then explain later you cannot you look back and you're like what the fuck yeah and drinking and like i have a horn section in in the in the studio and they're asking me uh do you want it this way or that way and i'm like drunk on the couch texting somebody not paying attention this is justin this is in uh, Kelowna. Oh, Kelowna, sorry. Yeah, and I'm just like, you know, I had to have like one of those from Petroni, like, put your fucking yeah. phone down. You ha- This is your thing. You have to direct these people, you know? And I'm like fighting with somebody on a text exchange. Yeah. Like, just the worst, worst time of my life. But at the same time, as soon as I just got into the music, it it was so necessary for me to be to to have that escape that something amazing happened with mm-hmm. with the music like where both of us because you needed it so much yeah and where both of us Pachoni and I would have like chills when we're done like when a take was yeah. done you know and I was like and were songs still coming out then as well writing yeah no no I was it? just in the creative oh, like it was just like the creative creativity was coming out on the arrangements like right, just yeah, yeah. strictly and it was amazing it was an amazing experience and then i took it home to mix it and things got bad again you know but cuz i started cuz of where you were at yeah. yeah well you know i was going through a transition in my life and i was living in a new apartment and i just you know set up a makeshift i was i was living in a house before that and mm-hmm. i had a studio proper yeah. yeah you know basement studio and it was a good work environment i was pumping out records i i knew what i was listening to i knew how to mix hundred thousand pieces was recorded in my apartment before that house so you know just when i start getting like i set up a new studio things sound fucking weird in this mm-hmm. apartment it's all concrete i mix it i, I kind of trusting my judgment but at the same time I, I some band hired me to mix their single i mixed it for them and i sent Send it back to them, and their manager's like, "It sounds like shit." And I was like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> I was like, "You don't know what you're talking about," you know. I'm a professional, you know. Uh, anyway, so but in retrospect, it sounded like shit, and I didn't realize that till I took my own mixes outside of my outside of room. that space. Yeah. yeah, and I went and I listened somewhere, and I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" What the fuck? Why didn't and I'm sending these mixes to Pachoni and he's like, no, it doesn't sound good. It sounds very thin. And I was like, all right, next thing you know, I'm maxing out the credit card, Ugh. soundproofing the room, buying new monitors. So I'm walking around the room in that room and I'm going, there's a frequency. It's like, there's a dip and it's like, I don't know what it is, but there's a weird frequency missing. And yeah, sure enough, there was a, an actual null at okay. 120 something. Null. The frequency gone. Where did it go? Pure cancellation. Did you figure it out? 
Yeah, I did figure it out. I didn't know how it was happening, but I figured out how to make it stop happening okay. by, by moving stuff around until I finally got the fucking room sounding proper. And there's a great payoff to this story because I finally put it up. I mixed the record. I'm bringing it everywhere. It sounds right. Everywhere I bring it sounds right. And uh, I didn't go nuts mixing. I spent like a day, a song at most. Okay. You know, like, but, you know, after three attempts, it was like killing me, killing me inside. But anyway, a day song is still 20 days. Yeah. Or 28 days. 28. Yeah. So I, I have all these mixes. I finally choose the album. I go get it mastered in New York. I come home. I'm like, the mastering sounds good. You know, it sounds good. It's loud. Nice and loud and bright. I'm so fed up at this point. I don't give a fuck, you know? And then I, I reach out to my friend Jason Thomas, who's a, uh, a, used to manage the Deers, and he's just like one of these guys that loves music. He's not... He plays music. He's a, mm-hmm. He could play several instruments, I guess, but he's not like a musician by trade. But he loves his music, and he loves his hi-fi, and he loves all that. And I sent him the record, and he's like, oh, this is brilliant. And he's like, are, are these the final mixes? And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Here we go. He goes, Here we go. He goes, I got a friend. You should try getting my friend just for fun. He'll mix a song for you. I'm like, what? Okay, just come out and say it. What's wrong with the mixes? He's like, well, it doesn't seem very dynamic and there's no bottom mm. end. And it's, I was like, hold that thought. I send him the pre master. The pre master. This sounds fucking brilliant. What the hell happened? And I was like, oh my God, here it is. You know, the, mm-hmm. ma- the person in the mastering squashed the fucking life out of it. Right. And took all, and in order to push it even harder, took the bass out. Took the bass out. And, you know how I love my bass, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I'm like, it's true. I knew it the first time. I just, I, I just didn't want to deal with the, the reality. You wanted to, to I blew three so grand badly. on this mastering. Three grand. So I tell the label, we need to ma- remaster this. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, no problem. We got our guy, Phil Demetro, here in Toronto. And I'm like, okay, cool. I guess they don't know that it's already mastered. Oh, <laughs> like, go. perfect, you know? Just don't mention it. So uh, <laughs> I send it to Phil, and this is where the big giant payoff comes in. Because I've mastered with a bunch of people. Though the person in New York did sit me down when I went to pick up the masters. And that person said, honest to God, this is one of the best records I've, I've mastered in a long, long time. And this person has mastered the greats, you know? Yeah. So I was like, wow, that's a huge compliment, but you still butchered it. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, so Phil Demetro calls me, or he sends me this email, like, which just, like, that's when I was able to put it to rest. He's like, mm-hmm. this is hands down the best album I've ever worked on. And I was like, all right. Mm-hmm. So I wrote to him, I said, tell me, though. Are you talking about songwriting? That's fine. Are the mixes good? (laughs) (laughs) From a technical standpoint. And he wrote back, are you joking? And I said, no, I'm not joking. I want to hear it. And then he said, they're some of the best mixing I've ever heard. I was like, damn. Proudest, proudest moment. I told him that too. And I'm like, it may not seem like something that would make you feel 
pride, you know, like maybe I could win a Juno next year and I'd, mm. I'd still be more proud of that like guy that. who sits all day long mastering albums saying something like that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean the record's going to be liked by people or that, you know, he just happened to love it and it was my first. Obviously, the people who. Well, that comes back to like the quality over quantity thing when like yeah. when people really love it, you don't need all those people to just like it. Yeah. You need just enough people to like connect with it. Yeah, and I was worried because, you know, 100,000 pieces for all its failure in, in the commercial sense, it was a giant ca catastrophic failure because it was, it was, it got all the acclaim, like all the reviews mm -hmm. were amazing. And bigger artists came, approached me about it, you know, with Jay Malinowski and Carol uh, de Pirate and all these people mm -hmm. were showing up going, this is the best record. And, I'm like, well, it sold like two copies and it's a giant failure and I, I was really bitter about it. But I, I was really proud of the the fact that it was considered an art record and that people yeah. really loved that. And I was really nervous making this record, not like not while I was making it. I was aware that I was kind of shifting gears and going somewhere else. And With this compared to 100,000 pieces? Yeah, it's a little bit different, you know, and then I thought... I didn't let this thought come in too much, but it was like, it is what it is. I can't change what I'm writing. It just happens that way. But I, I did have that, oh, I hope those people don't hate it. Or I hope they don't think, why did he fucking why change? Why did he change the recipe then? Yeah. And well, when you asked, um, sorry, what was the master's name? Phil Demetro. Phil, when you asked him, look, do you mean the songs or do you mean the mixes? Like, you really wanted to know about the mixes. Does that mean that you are more confident about your songwriting than you are about the technical stuff? No, I... Like, were you, are you not worried about the songs? No, it's just pertaining to that person in particular. Oh, okay, sure. After what I'd gone through with the mixing and the room, because, mm. like, do I need to still invest in my room? Because I was like, is there any, like, is it too bright or do it, any weird tendencies in the mix? He's like, no, it's perfect. It sounds like it's been mixed in a pro studio yeah. on a great console by a professional. And I was like, okay. The praise on the songwriting was like, obviously a huge relief, but mm. I realize it's subjective. He might love it. Somebody else might hate it. Right. I, I don't care anymore. Once it's out of my hands, I love it. And I hope people love it, but I can't, I, I actually find compliments are in some ways more destructive than somebody telling me, yeah. hey, Kreef, man, you got to, that song sucks. I'll be like, I could see how you think that, you know? <laughs> but like if somebody comes up to me and they're like, dude, you know, forever good night is like a brilliant composition. It's like when you do that chord and that chord, I'm like, don't shut up. Uh, just stop talking, man. I don't want to know. <laughs> like, don't tell me because that will be the beginning of the formulas, end. formulas, right? Yeah. I don't, I still have no idea what I'm doing and I'm proud of that. <laughs> yeah. For now. Yeah. I, I, I aspire to be one of those guys that my music evolves into a more and more like just just goes away from where it is now mm -hmm. i want in 10 years for people to listen to these records and go wow that was back when he did when he did sounded like this yeah that's the goal mm -hmm. and i think that's the freedom you have as a solo artist because sure i i'm limited to my when i'm playing all the instruments i'm limited to my own devices here you know like i can only do so much but nothing stops me from, say, like gathering a bunch of mariachi musicians and 
writing songs and with those guys playing the arrangements. Yeah. And like, not that I ever want to do that. You never know. Probably but like, not. But possibly. The idea of being that I can still have that freedom and to just be a writer and eventually just completely change my sound. I, I, I look forward to it because, you know, things are starting to sound too loud to me. I'm getting that age. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> that said... You're going to rock a little softer? No. <laughs> that said, uh, anybody that comes to a Creef or Deer show has told me that my guitar is way too fucking loud still. So. Still. So. All right. All 
was found. That was Patrick Kreef. We hope you enjoyed that. As I said in the intro, this will be our last episode for a while. We'll be back with season three of I Quit My Job in a few months. Thanks to everyone who's listened, and we'll see you soon. I quit my job. I quit my job. I quit my job. I'm free today.